This is the Pride Point Play Podcast, the Die Hard Duke Basketball Fan Podcast. Happy New Year, 2023. AC, I kind of stumbled out of the gates there in 2023. <laughs> but, uh, you know, who did not stumble That's out of the gates? That's not 2023 starting, That's, man. That's right. But, you know, Duke did not stumble in their last performance in 2022. I was there, AC. I got to be honest with you, the, uh, the second strain, Cameron Crazy's brought it. <laughs> It yeah. was rocking in Cameron on a Saturday at one o'clock, pouring down rain outside. Uh, the crazies, the 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 second team crazies, they were burning it. it was Dude, it sounded like it on the telecast, man. I know it, we, they, we they had the bumping. text going back and forth a little bit, but on the telecast, it sounded like the fans were really like they were into it, especially when you know we had some of those defensive runs, the the nice little Euro by Derek, all that stuff, man. They, the, the crowd was in it, man. Yeah, they they were definitely in it. Um, they had the chance going. The uh, the free throw uh, distractions were going. The the backup band with the alumni band was going. Um, Maybe the young uh, crazies are the problem. Yeah, I, you know, <laughs> it, it crossed my mind. It did. It crossed my mind that maybe uh, they should have watched that game and learned a thing or two. Uh, but uh, good performance by Duke. Uh, obviously, Jalen Blake picked up right where he left off eleven days prior against Lee Forest with uh, seventeen points again, uh, four six from three. Uh, Rick Whitehead coming in big with uh, with 16. So a lot of positives coming out of that game, and, and we're going to talk about that performance. We'll talk about what we think about the rotation now. Uh, is Blake a guy that you just can't take out of the starting rotation? Rick Whitehead with a pretty impressive quote. Says he's 100%. We're going to talk about that. And then there's been a lot of talk in college basketball about who's number one. I have no idea. UConn loses to Xavier. <laughs> uh, Rutgers just beat Purdue. Houston's probably going to be back. Uh, who the hell knows what's going on? And then we'll preview our next two games tomorrow night against NC State on the road and then BC on Saturday. So, uh, AC, uh, get right to it here against Florida State. What did you like? I, I liked how the depth played. And, like, when, you're, when your depth is depthing, that was the, uh, <laughs> that was the tweet I put out. When, when it's doing that, like, that's exactly what you want from depth. It's not about it's not about having 12 guys who can play starters minutes. That's not what depth really is. What depth is is when you have somebody who comes off the bench and they can replace one of your starters and do something that one of your starters does, whether it's play defense, whether it's hit some buckets, whether it's get some rebounds, that's true depth, and that's what you want. So, like, Jalen Blake's doing what he did. That's not an indictment on our starters. That is good that we have somebody coming off the bench who can play like this. And – it's not a surprise that he can do this. Like we've seen how much work he's put in. It's it's obviously translated on the floor. The kid came into college as like known as a high level scorer. Like that was one of the things about him as unorthodox as he is. He was a high level scorer in high school. He just didn't have the AAU credentials to back it up. And so now we're seeing who probably should have been higher as a recruit and everything else. We're seeing what, what Jalen Blake's actually can do. And I'm, I'm loving it, man team with John Shire saw in him and why he wanted him. And speaking of which, Jack, bringing in here, Ryan Young, 7 of 7, 66 from the line, 12 rebounds, 20 points. I mean, he had that Christian Leitner game where he just didn't miss, miss a single shot. He may never miss again. It was incredible. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was, it was was great to watch, especially like, I, I get there are Ryan Young haters, but come on. The guy's got a role to play. Lively was in foul trouble, barely played. Let's be real. He played, what, 10 minutes? 
Yeah, 12 he minutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. He didn't play much. Young needed to step up. Young mm-hmm. stepped up, put up a 20 and 10, and didn't miss at all. That's phenomenal. It's amazing. That's exactly what we need. And it's funny you brought up Leitner because in that, in that I saw I thought I saw a tweet from Brendan Marks or somebody saying that Ryan Young's performance is like the fifth most efficient in Duke basketball history for somebody yeah, who never he, missed yeah, a shot I in a game. Yeah, saw the same thing. It's like there's four or five guys, you know, uh, I don't know if it was Ryan Kelly, Christian Leitner, Grant Hill. Yeah. I was um, Kelly Hill, Booz, and Leitner. Yeah, Booz twice. Yeah, Booz twice. Zion too. Yeah, Zion oh, was up there. I mean, like, like the names that you're mentioning there. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and, and Ryan, Ryan Young. Like, and Ryan Young. So, so does this mean yeah, Ryan Young's going to get drafted high or be an all-star? Yeah, I, mean, <laughs> I guess honestly, so, man. Are, are there 13 better players than Ryan Young in the lottery? I don't know. Um, you in know, 1957, yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, obviously phenomenal performance for him. And, you know, mm-hmm. Brandison didn't even play 10 minutes. He played a little under 10 minutes, 9 minutes, 25 seconds. He scored six points, you know, two two solid threes. Mm-hmm. I actually thought he played more because I thought he played decent. Um, mm-hmm. But Can I just know, say with Grandison, those two threes were above the break. They were yeah. not in they the were, corner. They were uh-huh. on the wing. I was this is a, he he hit those yeah. twice. Really had a bigger impact than than nine minutes would make you think. Like I, I thought he played fifteen or twenty. Uh, I mm-hmm. did too, honestly. Until I saw the the uh, stat sheet and saw that he only played you know nine minutes and twenty five seconds, it's a little deceiving. Um, on the flip side of that, you have Proctor playing you know one over twenty. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, Proctor is one of those guys where it's like. You know, we're waiting for him to break out. AC, we're waiting for for that big moment from him, and we've seen flashes of it. Um, when when do we expect that to happen? This no, this is gonna be all season for Tyrese. I mean, he this is I think this is what we should have expected to begin with, and then countdown got everybody jazzed up. And we've said it before. This is I'm telling you, this is where we need to just like listen to what we're saying preseason about this team. Because one thing we we're saying was he was gonna be inconsistent. He's not a scorer naturally. That's not his thing. His thing is moving the ball, getting the ball in the right spots, which he has been doing. And so there's no gripe on there. And he's still he's playing great defense. He's a great free throw shooter. Like the things he's doing on the floor are earning him time. He's still getting those 20 minutes a game plus. But the scoring just isn't there yet. He's got that mid-range shot that he can hit. He's pretty solid with that. But he's going to have to find his stroke from three. He's going to have to be able to get to the basket on occasion. Or he's just going to have to live in the mid-range. And I don't know that you can fully live in the mid-range anymore. But for what he offers us and the rotations we can put on the floor, if some of the other guys are, are producing the way that we've seen them be able to, then we're not going to have to have that from Tyrese. But there are definitely times where you, a player like of his caliber, you need some points and you need some scoring or, or some at least some some playmaking and just want to see him be consistent with that. But I just don't know we're going to get that. And, and, you know, flip on on the other side of that is, you know, there weren't many rebounds to be had because your boy Ryan Young just snatched them all <laughs> up. Uh, but, you know, he was three or four uh, from the mm-hmm. field. It was his quietest game uh, at, in, in a Duke uniform, uh, only six points, five boards. Uh, Jack, to me, I'm okay with that. You know, he played 17 minutes in that game, kind of let Ryan Young do what Ryan Young was doing. Um, I'm okay with that performance. It, to, to me, it showed... You know, I don't need to take all of these shots. The shots weren't there. He didn't force it. So I was happy to see that kind of maturation out of him. Yeah, definitely. I I agree. I think, I mean, you know, he's developing. This is a guy who 
six and five is about what we expected from him preseason. Is it not? Like we didn't expect him to be putting up double doubles left mm-hmm. and right. Mm-hmm. We expected him to maybe, maybe break 10 points and get about five to six rebounds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's good. He only- he's mobile. He's able to handle. It's important. It's something that's very, very much slept on in his game. He's able to get out of Ryan Young's way when Ryan Young's having a good game. Like you said, TK, mm-hmm. he's able to do that and he's able to take it in stride. That's the beauty of it. Like you're saying, Jack, he can play on the outside, so he can that frees up the room for Ryan down low. And he only played 18 minutes, uh, and, and you know he had four fouls. So that kind of speaks to the minute decrease there because he was efficient. It wasn't like he played badly. He just couldn't be on the floor because of foul trouble. So that just kind of speaks again to this team defensively down low. As you know, as teams get more tape on Duke what are we going to do down low in terms of defense? Like we, there has to be some improvement shown there. And then, cause the perimeter guys are, they're defending well on the outside. I mean, I'm just going to say my piece on that really quick, which is there are three bigs. There's 12 or I can count. There's 15 fouls. <laughs> <laughs> there's 15 fouls to go around. And uh, I mean, a lot of them ended up being used this past game, but mm-hmm. There's 15 fouls to go around for the three guys who can really play at that five spot. You got Mark, who can, and in my opinion, should be in the four Mm -hmm. a lot, or as much as he really can. That kind of helps with the front court as well. You got got four guys there who can play the four or five, and they each have five fouls to use. No, that's, that's, that's for sure. It's, and I guess the five, the five, five fouls is great, but it's like, I don't want flip and foul trouble. Oh, of course not. No, <laughs> not at all. If, if any of the bigs are not in foul trouble, I'd rather it not be them. Luxury there is, is basically yeah. Jack's point. Um, yeah, and, that's and, the point and, I'm trying to make. <laughs> and, and, I, and I agree. Uh, the other thing I did like, uh, again, in AC, it's coming down to, you know, you said it. Um, Cameron, you know, this team just plays better. Um, mm-hmm. You know, 29 made field goals, 18 assists on those, 17 of 20 from the line. Shooting forty four percent from three, uh, this team just shoots better in Cameron, um, mm-hmm. and, and it's, it's great to see because you know you predicted, and, and I hope that you're right that, that we win every game at home. Mm-hmm. Um, and we do that, then at worst we're holding serve, and you know we're going to be in the top echelon, top three probably in the ACC mm-hmm. um, with a brutal schedule coming up. So, um, what can we take from this performance here? Obviously, Wiley did not play well. He got himself in the foul trouble. I think that toe is really hurting Jeremy Roach. Um, you know, it's two games in a row. Granted, mm-hmm. you know, spread out over, you know, 22 days. Um, so hopefully, you know, I, I'm not sure that Rasky is going to really help Jeremy. Um, he's going to kind of have to get used to playing with it. Yeah, he's, I mean, he's not going to get time to do it either. I mean... It's not like he had a bad floor game. I mean, three assists, one turnover. That's not horrible, but two for right. 10 from the floor. Got it. That has to improve for sure. And like you're saying, his movement on the floor doesn't look great. Like one of his one of the things that makes him dangerous with his size is the his elite athleticism. Like the fact that that kid is so quick, he can go body to body with bigs down low. Like that's that's one of the jammy strengths. And when if he can't plant, if he is having trouble with that, then that takes away a significant part of his game. But I did notice one thing in the second half, he started focusing more on the playmaking as opposed to the shot taking. And I, I'd, I'd have to look at the breakdown again to see when his last field goal came. But I'm pretty sure it was pretty, pretty early in the second half, his last field goal attempt. And, and after that, he was just kind of strictly a, a floor general. 
yeah, it'll be interesting to see in the next couple of weeks if that's what he ends up kind of that's the role he plays for a little bit until he can get this thing right. Yeah, the other thing on that Jack is that John even mentioned it that he wasn't he he, he passed up a, a bunch of shots that they would have preferred him to take, um, and I don't know if that's just not being comfortable, you know, on the toe, on the foot, um, or if it is, you know, he's he's just not in his rhythm, so he's looking to get other people involved, but. You know, to me, you know, John pointed that out, and I'm glad he did because he's trying to instill confidence in his guy. Yeah, I, I mean, I I agree with you there, TK. I think, I mean, Coach Shire did say today also that Jeremy is not at 100 percent and probably won't be until the end of the month um, on that toe. But at the same time, I think it's a mix of the two. I think it's a mix of oh, I'm not super comfortable, but also I'm not in my rhythm because we've seen him in in the Purdue game even. He um in the the Iowa game, he, he killed it in the Iowa game and he was hurt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He was in a rhythm. Yeah. He was clearly not comfortable even even with that. Like he even with the twenty piece, he was not comfortable. That was visible at least to me in the building, but you know, he was both uncomfortable and out of rhythm this uh this last game against Florida State, so yeah, I wonder I, how I much of that, that is point, he was being passive as a result of that. Yeah, I wonder how much of that is scheme and how much is his toe. You know, what I mean, like you said, Iowa, he played well. Some of it could be scheme because against Wake, I mean, did not have a good floor game at all with those five turnovers. I'm almost wondering if maybe there's been some tweaks in practice where he's getting used to a different offensive system a little bit. Because again, he went back in the beginning of his game, went back to not throwing to the bigs. And then once Ryan Young you know, essentially, essentially demanded the ball. Like that's when he was getting the ball to the bigs again, to Mark Mitchell and then Ryan Young. So some, some of that might've been scheme as well. Out of rhythm. So let's talk about the scheme going forward. Let's talk a little bit about the rotation. Um, Jack, I kind of want to pick up, you mentioned Mark Mitchell and how you like him at the four. I think that that's astute. I think that's exactly what needs to happen. I think he's kind of played his way into that role and has earned it. So, you know, kind of going forward right now, um, kind of start, start off with who we think are going to be the five starters on the floor. To me, it's Roach, it's uh, Jalen Blakes, it's uh, Flip, it's Ryan Young, and it's Mark Mitchell to me. So Ooh. that keeps Mark Mitchell at the three, but I do like them overall with Mitchell at the four. So kind of start me off, Jack, with who you like as your starting five rotation. Um, if you see any change in that, I put I put uh, Mitchell as six man personally because he is he's a versatile player. Who you I th- we've talked about this a little bit. You can really sub him in for anyone. Yes, he plays best at the four. That doesn't mean he can't play well out out of the four position. I I think I think it's still Roach and Proctor. I think Blake's has played incredibly lately, and Proctor's done well with the second unit. I I still think Proctor's the guy you want on the floor at the end of the game. And then Whitehead, Flip, and Lively. Because Lively is still a big impact with his defense, even even if the last game didn't show it. Obviously, with the foul trouble, he's still a huge impact defensively for Duke. As we saw, I think, in the Wake game, with Ryan Young getting attacked on lobs repeatedly. Um, and then, do you like... Do you like- then Roach and Proctor, Whitehead, Flip, and Lively to start the game like tomorrow. Then essentially, I wouldn't hate it. I wouldn't hate it because I know that Shire's gonna keep 
basically any any and everyone to 25 minutes unless they're playing especially well. And I I just think that's the best five right now. I think also, it's strategically and overall the best five. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I agree with you in terms of potential. AC, where, where do you fall on this? I know, I know, I know. Lively's your guy, man. I can't, I can't continue to keep him in the starting lineup for now. If if other guys are getting moved out of the starting lineup because they're not producing, then Lively has to be as well. He's got to get moved out for right now too. That's not to say he can't come back, and that's not to say that if he is good, Derek Lively, that our ceiling means that he's in the starting five with Flip. I I 100 agree with that. But just the way he's playing right now, especially this stretch, I don't know that you can start him at the moment. And Talking about the five fouls earlier per big, I mean, you maximize those five fouls by, you know, one one apiece in that starting lineup where Flip is in, Mark's at the four, and then you have Whitehead. I think he's played his way into the starting lineup the past couple of games. And then, as you mentioned, Proctor and Roach, I think that's still the best one-two punch in the backcourt despite what Blakes is doing. Blakes is that super sub anyway where he can come in and at the guard position kind of do what you're talking about that Mitchell can do, which is play multiple positions at the guard. And if he's going to be scoring the way he is, even us, even to a percentage, not he's going to regress to the mean a little bit, but even to a percentage, if he still is able to score off the bench, that is helpful for our team. And I, I think that's when you get back into the the debate that we had last week again, which is Blake's versus Grandison. Who's going to get more of those minutes? I mean, you saw Blake's with 30 this last game, Grandison with nine, at yeah. least in one game, you saw all of that totally shift to one side of that argument. So we'll see how it continues. I just, I, Right now, I don't see how Lively starts the game. I just don't. Yeah, and on that note, though, the you have Proctor going back into the starting lineup tomorrow mm-hmm. over Blake's, especially with with NC State's guard play. Okay, I, I so think you're doing a, you're out, doing a more matchup based based. Yeah, especially of, you know, earned. Yeah, especially this game, a little bit of earned okay. for sure, earned. But I mean, because Blake's has earned the start, he's definitely earned yeah. the start, and I think he will get the start. Honestly, I think he'll get the start. Okay. Probably over Proctor is would be my guess. How do, how do you sit Blake's right now after putting up seventeen two games in a row? I just I just think he's going to regress and, back and he to started against Florida State. So it's like yeah. you're now going to take him out. I just don't see that happening. Exactly right. So I so if so if we're talking, I, I'll kind of wait till the NC State game to talk about it a little bit more. If we're talking about the next game, sure, I think Blake's is going to start. Proctor's going to sit. I think you have yeah. Whitehead, Roach, uh, Blake's. Flip and Mitchell. Mitchell has been so consistent. He has done the same exact thing game after game after game, and he is just not regressing, man. I, I just, I, I don't, he, as good of a six man as he could be in preseason, we talked about this team ceiling includes him as a six man. Right now, it's just how do, how do you take him out with as consistent yeah. as he is? Shooting 47% from three. Like, what? <laughs> like, wait a minute. What is right. that? I mean, so, you know, again, you brought it up earlier on the winter deck, right? I mean, he shot yeah. but he, he goes in. So, right. And Bow don't lie, so it's, it's kind of like how do you take him out? And he just does so many different things on the court, and I just don't see it. And, and he's played well, and I think at this point, I would just kind of keep him in there for that reason. Mm-hmm. And despite the twenty piece, I think Ryan Young still comes off the bench. I don't defensively, he is still a liability. I don't think you can start a game with him. However, if you if you view offense as one of the strong points of your team, where you need to get ahead by getting some points, then yeah, does he make his way into the starting lineup? Because you know he's going to be efficient. <laughs> like you know he's going to get somebody that, else's big and foul that, trouble. That, is really, that really is a tough one because he's kind of carved out his role, and you kind of know what he is, and he knows what he is. Like that's the mm-hmm. one good thing about him is like he knows what a, he knows what his role is. I mean, onto two of them, it's like Blake's and Yon. They're 
pretty much of any of the reserves, I guess. They know what their role is better than anybody. Mm-hmm. Exactly, exactly. And they're not going to complain for, you know, getting taken out of the lineup. Whereas maybe some of these freshmen might, you know, they might have certain feelings about it because that's just, you know, you came into Duke expecting to do a thing and you're not doing that thing. So it's it, mentally it's a challenge. So it, it, this next game, I don't I don't think this next game is indicative of the rest of our season. But sure. when we get into that February, March time frame, like you definitely want to see us with something stable. Yeah. And I, I will say the two things. Uh, one, I we gave lively credit that even when he you know wasn't playing much uh on Saturday, his you know his energy on the bench cheering for his teammates was great, and he was engaged the entire time. That's awesome. And then mm-hmm. I read a report as well that said you know after that game he you know corralled his teammates and said we're going to go lift. So to me, he's frustrated that he's not playing. That's a good thing. Um, but he wanted to go get an extra shot, wanted to get a lift in. And that to me says, you know, he's a guy that that wants, you know, wants to work his way back. Mm-hmm. Um, so Jack, you know, that's your guy. Um, you know, I personally don't see him starting on against NC State tomorrow, but you know, I, I don't think that long term that means he's going to be on the bench for for good. Like he could be back against Boston College on Saturday. Yeah, that's that's a reasonable take. I think. I mean, I I do. I, I believe that either Lively starts or Mark starts at the four. I, I don't think Ryan Young should be starting like AC said. I think, I mean, Derek, it's been clear. He's a good teammate. He wants the team to win, and he wants to put the work in. He wants to get back into the lineup. Again, I I mean, yeah, he, he didn't produce this past game. He had two blocks in the first few minutes of the game before he had to go out with foul trouble. He he plays well even if he gets called for some fouls here and there. I think it's it's a matter of discipline of of getting, you know, you know, just chilling with the unnecessary fouls for lack of a better term coming to my head. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> and some of that some of that is him, you know, some of that's him being out of position too. Like yeah, he he's one of those guys. He's and he's used to playing like this. He's used to playing off ball, making those plays off ball. But now you're playing against smarter college offensive players like he's got to be smarter on defense so i, I just i want to see that improve i, I want to give a shout out to him it looks like even come off that break man it looks he looks stronger like the he past does. couple he of games good. like he's moving well he looks stronger like looks more defined i think i put that in our, in our text chain or whatever he did which is good like that 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 shows that there is work being done and then as, as tk said he you know called for the team to go do the lift afterwards like you know he is he's really taking this to heart so I, I don't think he stays out of that starting lineup too long. He just, he has, there's some nuances of the game. He really has to get down. Question about that. Yeah. And, and, and hopefully it does. I mean, hopefully it comes, obviously, um, you know, because our ceiling is, is, is much higher if he's playing well. And then obviously Whitehead, who we'll get to in a minute. Um, do you see any other kind of shifts in the rotation? Do you feel like John's still kind of, with it, or is, is he playing off a feel where whoever kind of bought the hot hand, he's going to do that? Because when you look at the minutes distribution, other than the Brandison Blitz complete three to one flip, um, everybody's kind of in that same ballpark where you're, you know, 17 to 25 minutes, depending on, you know, how you're playing, but everybody's getting theirs. I mean, even Whitehead had 27 minutes, which I'm assuming was the most that he's played this year. Um, you know, he to me is still coaching off a of field, whereas you would see Coach K 
start to get a more refined rotation. Um, maybe not this early, but starting around this time of year, he would have that rotation down, um, at least in his mind. Easy. Yeah, I mean, it, and it depends on the team too. I mean, we we kept doing that count. I think it was a couple of years ago on the podcast. I want to say it was that it was at the nineteen twenty squad where we had something like what was it twenty one or nineteen or twenty one different starting lineups right. by the middle of January. A bunch of different crazy. starting lineups and yeah. only one guy averaging more than twenty five minutes. Yeah, so yeah, I think you're right. I think I think it's feel based, and I, I think I think that's Kay's method too. Was the feel like if he feels like you have five starters all season and he's going to play those five starters. If he feels like somebody's earned some time and there's no, nobody has taken that job in practice or in the games, then your, your spot is up for grabs. And I, I think that keeps the guys honest. So I, I think John's not, a, he's not a yeller, right? He's not somebody who's always going to, he's, he's absolutely a fierce competitor, but I, th- I think you see more of the Brad Stevens in him where he's kind of nurturing guys or talking to guys and instructing guys more than he's just screaming at their faces unless he really has to. So, I mean, some of this is just prove it to me, prove me, prove to me that you are earning time on this floor with this particular team. And as we've seen, just no matter what your five-star rating is or whatever else, or, you know, you, you can see yourself in and out of this lineup, unless your name is Jeremy Roach, quite honestly, or Mark Mitchell at this point and flip. I think those three are set. I think Mark Mitchell flip and Roach are set. I, I think the other two spots are up for grabs until Derek Whitehead decides he's ready to take one of them. All right, well, speaking of the Rick Whitehead, let's go ahead and talk about him because he had a phenomenal play. And so it comes from Brandon Marks who tweeted this out, that the Rick Whitehead says that he's feeling 100% recovered now, including mentally. Was a little bit more cautious earlier on with the recovery process, like with landing on his foot, but all good now. AC, Jack, um, I mean, when you read that, you get a couple of chills going up your spine. It was so good to hear. So good to see. Oh yeah. I, I'm excited. I think I mean, we talked about this a few weeks ago on, on the pod. He uh he's been struggling. He he said that uh with his mental health on the recovery and how there's like that mental block with his foot, like, am I gonna re injure this? Am I fully healthy? And you know, playing a little gingerly on it. He says he's ready, he's ready, and the world is uh not prepared for what's coming. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> I, I mean, mean, like you said, it. He, he's not wrong. Because, no, not at all. You know what? What I started seeing, and we talked about this on our text chain. What I was pumped about was that last move, the Euro step at the end of mm-hmm. the half, uh, and he just kind of built on it from there. And he's not afraid to let the let, let it go, let it fly. Um, and, and that's what I love to see. Twenty eight minutes, John saying, "Hey, look, dude, when you're ready to go, you're our guy." And mm-hmm. that's what I love about it. Absolutely. 28 minutes this game, 25 minutes the last game, 21 the game before that. I mean, you can see the minute, the minutes uptick. His first game, he came out with 16, 10 after that, 17, 10 after that, 16, 13 after that. And, and now he's on that streak. This is this is nothing but good for Duke. And I mean, Jack mentioned the mental side of it, man. Like, it, it's hard to come off these injuries, dude. Like you saw that that tweet. And this is this quote with Brendan Marks is a stark contrast from the tweet that he put up. Was it was it Richard Sherman? The Richard Sherman tweet he put up. I think it came from it was Richard Sherman, one of the one of the NFL players, a couple weeks ago, where he was talking about how how hard the game can be mentally, especially coming off an injury and stuff. Like he put that on Twitter. That was a clear message and a clear sign to the fans and himself on social media that he's going through something. And now now he's back. And how could you not like he had from 
his announcement where he's got the balloons and the party and everything else. And now he comes into Duke with a foot surgery and everything, man. Like, I'm, I'm just so happy for this kid, dude. Yeah, and, and again, tomorrow on the road, NC State. Did all three of us predict the loss in our last podcast? I think we did. Okay. And I'm not going to ask you for a new prediction. Not right now because we're going to get to it. Mm-hmm. But with what we saw from Whitehead, the way he played, the way he moved, um, the confidence that he's showing, Jack, to me, it's like I might have to rethink that before this podcast is over. You might talk me right into a 10 to 15 point win based on what you see right here. He's very good at basketball. And, you know, NC State, sure, Terquavian Smith might be matched up with him, but like, Dariq's better. <laughs> Honestly. He is. I don't really think I need to say that much. I was a little worried because I'm always a little worried when Duke goes into Raleigh, but it makes me feel a lot better knowing Dariq feels like he's back at 100%. And AC, I mean, do you feel like he's back at 100%? Is he talking himself into being 100%? Because, I mean, just based on being there, watching him go through, Mm -hmm. I don't see anything lingering. No, I don't I don't I don't see the limitations we saw before the the stutter steps into cuts that he was doing in those first couple of games he played not really landing when he came down off of off of layups and such like we, we're seeing him move like an athletic basketball player now going all the way back to was it was it in the Purdue game when he tried that dunk? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like going back to that even like you can see like there's a piece at a time in each of these games you see him do something that is just you know, marvelous and athletic and that last game against Florida state, you saw him doing multiple things that, that required high level elite athleticism as opposed to just one or two flashes here or there. So it's, I, I think it's here. I think, I think he, I think there's one, it's it's like a recipe. One part, he has to talk himself into it. And one part is he just has to go out and do it. And I think we're seeing him ready to just go out and do it. So I, I would not be surprised one bit if he has an, an exceptional game against NC state. You think that I mean I know we talked about the rotation, I know we talked about the starters. Do you see you know, John just saying, you know, fuck it, we're we're gonna take the leash off here, you're starting. Yes. We're just gonna let we're just gonna let him fly. You just played him twenty eight minutes and he just responded. How do you not put him in the starting lineup? Right? Like <laughs> like we're just we just made the case for Blake's why he should start. Kinda made a case for Ryan Young as to could he start or whatever else, you know what I mean? Like He's proved it. Like he has proved his worth with this team. We need scoring to start games, especially. Yeah, I'm, why not? Why not put him in the starting lineup, right? Like he's earned it, especially if he has good practices moving on. Yeah, he had a couple more days of practice, Jack, and I feel like to me, I, I mean, I think I'm just talking myself into it here, um, setting myself up for failure. Uh, but <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna, I, I just don't see at this point how you don't start him. So let me just go ahead and revise that. Give me, you know, Roach. I'm going to keep Blake's in there. Give mm-hmm. me Whitehead, Mitchell, and Flip, and I think that's who we're mm-hmm. rolling with. And then just keep keep Ryan Young where he is because we know what he's going to give you. Grant is in the same thing. I think Proctor is good off the bench, quite frankly. Mm-hmm. Um, allow him to see the game a little bit and get comfortable. That might be it to me. I think we start him tomorrow, Jack. I would love to see that. I would welcome that. Um I, I think that the starting lineup tomorrow is far from the final starting lineup of the season. I don't think it's the same starting lineup we'll see come March. Mm-hmm. 
really, it's uh, it's going to be Blake's. I think he's he's earned it. it. I wouldn't be shocked if Young started, but I I really hope he doesn't because I think mm-hmm. I think he's best off the bench. For being honest, I agree. And that's I his think- team, right? That's his team. Like this team is is we talked about the versatility and the versatility on top of not one particularly great player outside of possibly Dariq. Like so yeah, why why not have a, a very lineup? Yeah, very mix and matchy team. I, I love that. I wouldn't be shocked if Lively didn't start. I wouldn't be shocked if he did. Mm-hmm. I also I will say I think down the road, he's going to be a starter long term. I don't know if he starts tomorrow. I'd like to see, I'd like to see Mark start just for matchup purposes. But Flip's starting. We all agreed on that. Flip's mm-hmm. starting. We're just starting. Whitehead hopefully will start. And mm-hmm. I think the rest of it we find out tomorrow. Okay. Um. I, I, the the good news is that we have a couple guys that know their defined roles. That's good. And then you have a couple guys that have the potential to lift this team, um, help us reach the ceiling that we have the capability of doing um, if we play at our best. So it's going to be exciting. We're going to find out what John can do uh, in PNC Arena tomorrow because it's been a uh, house of horrors uh, for Duke. Oh, my God. (laughs) I will remind uh, you guys that during the 13 and 11 season, they won at PNC. They did. Well, you know. We're going to just, hopefully we can win and not go 13 and 11. Uh, all right. So uh, <laughs> one, of the, one of the things we want to talk about, though, is college basketball uh, on a whole, because talk about things, we have no clue what the hell is going on. College, college basketball as a whole. Uh, Purdue ascends to the number one spot uh, after UConn gets moderately destroyed in the second half against uh, Xavier, which is good for Duke. P- people have to remember that. <laughs> and then Purdue drops one to AC's Rutgers for one night. It's been a wild year. Like, you have Michigan who, you know, loses to Carolina and Eastern Michigan or whatever, and then blows out Maryland by 40. Uh, he's going to probably be number one again. I don't know what the hell is going on. Jack, tell me what's going on. I, I just, I, I just want to give you guys a live update. Mind you, we are recording this. It's around 8 o'clock on, uh, on the 3rd. Louisville is currently up on Syracuse at halftime, so I really don't what? know what's going on in college basketball. What Kenny Payne score? saves his job. <laughs> they ended the half going 8-2. They're up 35-34 at halftime. Get oh, some that's a loss. That's a loss. <laughs> Probably, <laughs> but nothing's final yet. Um, oh, no, man. college basketball is going crazy, though. You know, Rutgers beating number one Purdue with a clutch three late. For the second year in a row, yep. Mm-hmm. Purdue has two losses all time. We're in ranked number one. They've both been to Rutgers. Like I just want to point that out. <laughs> That's wild. Also, the best team in the country is clearly New Mexico State because they're the only ones that still are undefeated. <laughs> still undefeated, the only one left. I think is that New Mexico State, State or is that New Mexico? It's New Mexico. It is New Mexico State, right? Credit, oh, I thought it was yeah. New Mexico. No, you're New right. Mexico. It's just it's University of New Mexico. My bad. Mm-hmm. The Lobos. My bad. The Lobos, the boy. Lobos, um, I choose not to give them credit because of the name of their coach, but oh no way! We we don't mess with Patinos for many reasons. <laughs> All right, but what a job he's done, though, man! Like he has, he's like actually no, he's done a fantastic job, and he is not his slimy father <laughs> that we know about. <laughs> well, just that we know about that we know of. Yes, um, 
if that clip comes back to bite me when the FBI does their next probe. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, no, college basketball you is going crazy. The, witness. <laughs> <laughs> the one. Houston, yeah. Houston, like, played nobody good. Lost to, was it Bama in their first game against a, a top 50% mm-hmm. net rankings opponent and then beat UVA. So that's a thing. Mm-hmm. Um Everything makes no sense. Um, <laughs> frankly, that's it's all probably, chaos. Like Miami and Virginia are eleven and twelve. Gonzaga was like twenty, and then has worked their way back up to nine because, mm-hmm. of course, they have. Um, you know, I don't even know what the hell's going on with Texas, bro. Uh, again, we're not. Uh, I'm not even talking about that. Okay, just, like, just, ask, just ask. Is he is he back? Is he coaching? No, no he's still still suspended. Oh, still suspended. We're not going to get into that. I'm not even talking about that. It's like we're not going to talk about Dana White either. Just want to make sure everybody. Nope. <laughs> Continue, Jeff. Texas is Texas. Like, will play poorly and then still come out with a win. Mm-hmm. Kansas, I, I'm still not sure how good Kansas is. Yeah, they're ranked third, but. I still have no idea how good they are, especially since they were down 15 against OK State. Yeah, it feels like a typical Bill Self team that's just gonna like they're gonna have a great record and flame out in the tournament. It just feels like that. I mean that that's what he does. That's what he does mm-hmm. best. If we're being honest, mm-hmm. like, like Grady Dick is going to he's gonna get cold. Yeah, yeah. Indiana no, like, looks good on paper, but then mm-hmm. you know they have a couple of guys with serious injuries. Wisconsin is Wisconsin. I don't even need to get into. I mean that. Arizona <laughs> is playing well. Dude, Arizona, Arizona looks like. Looks yeah, like know, the number one team, but I think it's so. Not like you know, they had a pretty bad loss pretty recently, didn't they? Uh, yeah, who they lose to? They lost to uh, gosh, I'm, I'm did they lose to Bobby? Yes, yes, yeah, I thought so. I believe so. Was, uh, no, sorry, it was Utah. They lost to Utah, Utah, okay, Utah. less bad, but Utah, you know, you have it, Xavier Jack, just Jack, you have it, we got into your boy. Drew Timmy averaging ah, 22 and I 7. talked about Gonzaga. He said well, he briefly mentioned well, them. You got you got to talk about your boy Drew Timmy and what he's doing for college basketball as a whole. You know, oh he's right gosh. there now. You know, what, what's he doing? He's right, he's right there. He's the face of college basketball. No. Here's a question. He's Here's right a question. There. In the top 15, <laughs> and we can even count Duke in the 16, who doesn't belong in, the, in that conversation? Because – there's just so many teams who could be top ten UCLA. this year. You have twenty teams. Like you, that's what I feel. I feel like UCLA does not belong. Like I feel like UCLA doesn't belong. I feel like UVA is going to end up falling out. Now UCLA Texas, I think, is still coasting on that Final Four run. Yeah, like somehow. I'm not even joking when I say that. Right. No, no, they you're exactly not, right though. They're not a top ten team. I mean, they're tenth. So like that's mm-hmm. already well, who, who's slipping that you believe is actually better. Like is Arkansas. You know, one of those teams that, you know, yeah, they might slip a, a little bit here and there, but they're actually better than where they're ranked. Yeah, I think so. I think I think talent-wise, they're better. I, I think Musselman will get them together. Like, he's proven Baylor, to be a Baylor, the same thing, maybe? No, I, th- I, no, think, no, I no. feel like Baylor is exactly they're where they belong, honestly. Okay. Yeah. I, th- I wouldn't I think... call Baylor frauds, but I don't think they're a top 15 team. I think they're where they should be. Like AC yeah. so. UNC is the fraud. <laughs> that's, that's, uh, no, we're done with that. We're done with that. They got no votes. Yeah, they, yeah they're, they're not even they're, talking they're, about where they should be. They have earned exactly. where they should be. Um, 
I think UConn will end up falling too. I think UConn, UConn should. The I don't Big think East they will because it's the Big East. Like I don't know, man. The Big this East is, is cool. like they they say the Big East is tough, but like when the best team in the Big East is Creighton, oh, like supposedly. But that's the thing, right? Like UConn's gonna lose. They're, they're only gonna lose to maybe possibly two or three more teams. They're gonna, they're gonna lose, lose to Nova and Xavier. Right. Well, they beat they lost to Xavier already. They're right. gonna lose to Nova. Possibly right. they're gonna might like, lose to Xavier maybe, again. Yeah, they might lose to Xavier again. They might lose to Creighton. Yeah, I think they will. I think they'll lose to Creighton, and I think you could see them losing to Butler too. Butler is not Butler terrible. Is... They're they, they, they could... had Manny Bates. He's good, right? And and Butler, Butler could absolutely pull that upset at home. Like I, I can't see them beating UConn on the road, but at home they can absolutely pull that upset. And now you've got a UConn team with possibly five losses in what you're saying, which you're exactly right, is a weak Big East conference. That's going to push them down, right? Like it has to. Yes, it should. Question is, will it? <laughs> Right, right. Come on, Carolina beat two like losing teams and got back into. We're the talking pole. about those bums again. <laughs> I'm giving you an example. I'm giving you an example. Carolina <laughs> lost or beat two losing teams and got back into the poll. UConn could sweep the entire Big East outside of that and still say top seven. Yeah, I mean, maybe it's college basketball is starving for a, a Northeast team to to be good again. So they're, they're starving they're... for UConn specifically yeah. to be good again. Yeah. They're, they're the the poll boost or the voters i can't i'm a little <laughs> tired today the poll <laughs> voters are doing what they can to keep yukon relevant again because yeah. i don't think this yukon team could beat baylor probably that probably that baylor's 19 yukon's like 4 and that's a bad matchup for them too like that's yukon's a very matchup dependent team man. yes they are and i mean They're it's not a team that's built to win the big east right like the only team They're not right now go anywhere in march the only team I look at right now in the top 25 even that is just matchup proof. I, f- I feel like Arizona is matchup proof, man. Like that team is just so good. Imagine <laughs> if they, if they, they brought Matherin back. What's that, TK? San Diego State. Where where do they? I mean, I know that they're right outside the top 25 right now. They're number 27 right now. They got 72 votes. They're coming, right. bro. I told you about it. I told you about it, San Diego right. State, man. They're lying in the league right now. That's right. I told you. Let them do what they do, man. Let San Diego State be San Diego State, man. They're coming. I told you. But no, no, Arizona is that's such a good team, man. Like this Arizona's is number one. If they basketball. brought back Ben Matherin, that's my yeah. that's my take. Yeah. And Not if they even don't a hot take. Head scratcher against Utah, then they're still undefeated. They're number one in the country without a doubt. And we're talking about them as probably the only clear cut number one team, especially if Purdue had lost to Rutgers, which they did. So, but Purdue's still good. Like you can't take away what they've done. But yeah. there is definitely some regression that's going to happen there with their shooters. Like they got a young team, man. It's the Big Ten. You know, you know how that's going to go. Mm-hmm. That's unlike the Big East. That's an actual tough conference, right? <laughs> but they still won't win a championship. Yeah, no, At least the Big East. They, I mean, they produced you know a couple championships <laughs> over the last. Yeah, they've got you know, a couple, decade. man. Yeah, they've got so, like four, don't they? Something like that. I mean, since since the Big Ten has won one, uh, five at least. They at least they have, have three. They have four. They have Novas and Yukons. Yeah, and so, Syracuse. I mean, Syracuse is still in the biggest when they won with Melo. That's true. Right. They, they might have six or seven. Yeah, uh, man. Utah has three. <laughs> yeah, and then, it's a top uh, heavy league. Melo has two, and then Syracuse has six. Oh, UConn does have three. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they have four total, but three since the Big East won. Since yeah, since since Big Ten won one. <laughs> it's Big Ten. That's what I meant. Sorry, Big Ten. So, yeah. Um. Yeah, plenty there. Um. Anything else in college basketball before we make a couple predictions here? Shouts out to Charleston for getting into the top 25. Yeah, I don't know how it's earned. Forever, bro. 14 and 1, absolutely. 
Yeah, man. Crazy UNC, respect for them. Yeah, it took UNC to the wire, beat Virginia Columbus. Tech. Dude, Charleston, they've, they've been, like, if you've been paying attention to, like, the others receiving votes at all this season, they, they've they literally been sitting at 26 and 27 since they beat Tech in that tournament and have not moved. And UNC keeps jumping over them. I can't believe we're talking about them again. My fault. <laughs> other teams just keep jumping over them and, and falling back, and they're just there, man. Like, they're just hanging out, dude. Charleston's going to be tough in the tournament, man. They have a beautiful campus, beautiful student body. I'm rooting for him. Um, <laughs> let's talk about a couple games that we have coming up, though. Tomorrow right. night, 7 p.m. at NC State. We already talked about PNC Arena and what it's done to Duke in the past. Oof. Um, AC, I think I think NC State's a solid team. I know that they kind of up and down. We talked about them a little bit last week when we did the second third of the season preview. Um, anything changed since we, since we got on the mic and since what you saw from us uh, Saturday against Florida State? Nah, bro. They're they're a solid team. They they are a guard oriented team, but they still have a couple six seven six eight dudes that can that can kind of fill in the gaps there. Uh, they got big Dusan down low again, like the big Serbian monster that's gonna just give us problems again this year. Just see as he had he did last year, even though we won that game. I mean, th- look, PNC has not been kind to Duke. Better road Duke teams have lost the last ten years, eight matchups away. At NC State, and we've lost six of them. Like, bro, like it is. Hopefully, the new John Shire era, man. Like, hopefully, there's a turnaround here. I just, I don't. It's a hard ask for a team that has already proven that they don't play well on the road to go into PNC and just and just win this game against a, a team that Kevin Keats has playing well right now. They are one and three in the ACC, so you've seen them kind of falter in ACC play. It's a must win for them, in my opinion. I think I think it's gonna be hard for them to go down one yeah. and four. Yeah. Yep. And and so they're they're really going to be pumped. The students are back on campus. Like, dude, this is just a recipe, man. Just it's I'll just get it over with, man. We're gonna lose this game 75-69. There it is. Okay. Uh, Jack, you talked about Triclavi and Smith earlier for a second. Um where are you He's going good. with this pick? I'm going to pick Duke to win because I think Duke's the better team. And I think that the fact that this game is being played during winter break will be pretty huge. Um, that's really all I can say, honestly. You know how State plays. Everyone knows how State plays at PNC against the other Tobacco Road teams. It's either going to be a stupid loss like the one against Wake or Terquavian Smith's going to get shut down. And... You know, Ryan Young is going to say, oh, I can get buckets here, too. And he's going to get buckets there, too. I think Duke wins. I think it's way closer than it should be. I think Duke wins it 68 to 64. Uh, a couple of those scores there, relatively speaking, for Duke. Uh, I can go either way with this one. If I had a coin here, I would flip it. Uh, I'm going to stick with my original prediction because neither one of you talked me into Duke. Um, so AC, I'm going to go with you here and, uh, let's keep it a tad closer, 74 to 70. Um, I think we lose a nail butter, which is unfortunate because I hate losing NC State. Mm-hmm. It's just because you know what UNC does in UNC, uh, NC State. UNC could Has lose everything. Has the line for this game? I was literally just looking at it, but I forgot already. Uh, minus three. Duke is minus three right now. Minus three at the moment? And mm-hmm. over under 144. So we're actually, I actually... Kept the over under, which is seventy four seventy. 
but I did have. Fuck it, yeah, fuck it. You know what? Give me. Let me do seventy four seventy. Fuck it. The Rick Whitehead is gonna come out. He's gonna have twenty one tomorrow night. So give me two. All right, that's good. All right, let's move. Give me Reek. Give me Reek. That's right. All right, so then let's go to. And I don't need you two to top me until I top myself into it. All right, so I'm going to go at PC on Saturday, uh, Chestnut Hill, 1 p.m. game. Um, Jack, what do you got here? I mean, just run it back against BC. (laughs) Fair. (laughs) I mean, really, though, right? It's going to be tougher because it's, you know, I mean, that 1920 team, Matt Hurt by himself outscored BC at home, and then... Mm -hmm. It took Duke until late in the second half to pull away on the road. But Wasn't that a 1 p.m. game as well? Like, didn't it like no, that was, was, that was like was a 6 p.m. Okay, yeah. okay. That was like a 6 p.m. weekday game. Okay. I was working and had to get out of work early to watch. because I <laughs> And also I had a paper due like that night. So, whole thing. But, I mean, it's going to be closer than the last one with BC was, but... That's that's not really saying that much. <laughs> I think it's it's probably eight points. I'd say Duke eighty, BC seventy two. I kind of like the idea of running it back. Give me the same for seventy five fifty nine. I like it for a lot of different reasons. On I just I'm gonna stick with that. AC close it out. Yeah, no, I, I don't. I don't see this being a difficult game. Can can we travel? That's the big. This will be. After what is presumably a loss to NC State, can we rebound on the road? And I think, you know, BC is a it's a good opponent opponent to get back with. So, yeah, no, give me a give me a little bit closer than the uh, 16 point victory from last time. Give me 73 to 60. Just let CJ Pena do his thing. Nobody else on the team can do anything and just let that guy score because he sucks anyway. So let him do their thing, man. I don't like it. AC, you got to score one on one. Jack and I. We got to get back. Jack, you and I have to get back on the horn here. I mean, AC's been kind of uh, calling the shots here the last couple of games. We got we to gotta put a stop to that, and it starts tomorrow night, 7 p.m. PNC Arena right down here in the triangle. Let's go Duke. Let's go Duke. Let's go Duke. Thank you for tuning in to the Five Point Play Podcast. You can catch us wherever you get your podcasts. Also, check us out on Twitter and on Instagram. Five Point Play Podcast. Go Duke!